You know what, Sam? What? Another guest joins us this offseason. Yes, they do. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Kaniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, we are back with another episode of the Canaan Report. And Sam, just like you said in the one-liner, we're going to be having another guest that's going to be reviewing the past this past season with you and Scott Burnside. Yeah, and he's very knowledgeable. Yes, he's always very knowledgeable. It's always a pleasure to chat with him, um, and you'll hear a lot of good information. We kind of talk about the off season for Carolina, kind of. Uh, you talk about the league too. Yeah. First lot. off, we talk right off right right off the bat. We kind of start broad and then we narrow in on Carolina. But uh because again, he just has so much knowledge and just to kind of talk about the league with him, I think it's just a good it's just a pleasure. Yes, it is. So without further ado, here is Sam interviewing Scott Burnside. But before we do, let's get to our sponsors. Light the lamp during hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms all right we'd like to welcome back scott burnside friend of the podcast awesome if you haven't checked out his work you should he's done a lot of work for the carolina hurricanes over the last few years welcome back sir Sam, it's good to be here. We were chatting just before you started to record. We're in the middle of the Stanley Cup final. It seems a little bittersweet, right? That uh, you think of what might have happened for uh, the Hurricanes and the possibilities that existed for them, Um, you know, having gone to a conference final and, of course, got being swept by by Florida and then watching that series against Vegas. uh, it, It does feel like a little bit of an opportunity loss, but I guess that's the... I mean, that's inevitable, you know, come playoff time. Every year, you know, think of how how they feel in Boston, right? I mean, best regular season team of all time, and you have that series in the, in the bag, in hand, and you let it get away from you. You know, those are the kinds of things that, that sting, I, and I think that's maybe at the end of this, it's all about perspective when you think about a Carolina team that's, you know, twice now gone to the uh, – Eastern Conference Final since Rod Brindamore took over in um, in eighteen, and uh, you know, so it, there is about it's about perspective, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I agree with Rod. I don't think it was your conventional sweep per se. I mean, every game decided by a goal, two of them in overtime. I mean, Carolina wins Game One. I think they probably win the series, but you know, put that seed of doubt in Florida, but that didn't happen. 
So you just move on to the off season, which is where we are now for every team but two. And I want to kind of ask you just a broad NHL question. Anything you're hearing or have seen so far that you were like, I did not expect that, or this is kind of shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting, you know, it is off season for 30 of the 32 teams. And I, I've been, I, I've been fascinated. It was interesting. I, I uh, covered the first round for the Minnesota wild. So I was in Dallas and uh, covering the wild Dallas series. And I, Ran into Keith Jones as part of the broadcast uh, crew and uh, for TNT, and I've known Keith a long time. And we were having a chat, and we were talking about the opening in Philly, and we did have a conversation about, you know, is that is that a possible path for you? And he was very coy about it, <laughs> and um, but it, I wasn't. I think it's a bold hire for a Flyers team, you know, that has that has had trouble escaping its own past and has really struggled to develop its own um, sort of identity, if you will. Um, but so the, for me, the hiring of Keith Jones as the head of hockey ops and, and of course, Daniel Briere um, as the GM. And again, I've, I'm old, so I've, I've known Danny for a long time. I, I've covered in many playoff series with him and, um, you know, spent some time chatting with him during the uh, pandemic when he was really exploring the executive side of uh, Comcast Spectacor, which owns the Flyers, and he was actually in charge of their uh, ECHL team in, I want to say it was in Portland, but it, they were actually affiliated with the Rangers. Uh, so he's working with Chris Drury, very crazy thing. But I think that management team has already shown in, you know, a very bold move uh, with Ivan Provorov going to Columbus, a three-team deal, uh, Philadelphia getting draft capital, a young prospect, Sean Walker, is a sort of veteran defenseman. Um, you know, they they get some some assets that he can then, or that management team can then can move, you know, move around and, and bring in more assets. Uh, but the pro Rob thing um, was shocking a little bit for me, so I'm interested to see. You know, the Flyers. That's an interesting organization that's fallen on hard times. And Columbus. So they follow up getting Ivan Provorov by. Um, a sign and trade with uh, with New Jersey, getting game in Severson. So uh, eight year deal, and and all of a sudden Columbus, which you know was a legitimate lottery pick, like they were thinking Connor Bedard, they ended up with the third overall pick. But Yarmo Kekalainen has tried to retool on the fly, controversial hire, bringing Mike Babcock back in as a head coach um, after he was dismissed um, by the Leafs uh, four or five years ago, and. That was followed by a lot of you know, sort of recrimination about how Mike Babcock coached and how he treated people. So it was a lot on the line for Columbus as they try and, you know, sort of accelerate that process of being a draft lottery team to being a playoff team again. So those are the things that I think have been really sort of noteworthy as we start to get closer and closer to the draft, which is when you see a lot of the offseason moves made now because of the salary cap and because it's, you know, the cap is still relatively flat. So, it, you know, the coming weeks are going to be very active and uh, and we're already seeing that from, you know, I think some bold moves from Philadelphia and from Columbus. Yeah, I, I that's been interesting for me. I mean, um, what I like, I've always been a fan of Danny Breer, so seeing him make some moves is, is pretty cool. Um, but I guess now we'll kind of narrow in on the Hurricanes. And I've I've kind of... I've been frustrated the last few seasons at the deadline and it's been an 
agitating, I think, for a lot of fans that you see a glaring mistake with no apparent, you know, you're going after, we'll say, um, uh, we'll say cheap, you know, discount players, you know, a player like Pat Freddy, he's a great goal scorer. So they went, they tried to fix the problem, but he's a discount player and that his history is injury prone. Didn't yeah. work out. Unfortunate. I really like the player a lot. Um, and then you go after again, Freddie Anderson on Toronto played very good, also injury prone. So they go off after the analytical side. I think a lot of that's Tolsky, maybe not so much Waddell. Do you think after five years of the same story, these two guys are going to be on the hot seat this season? Yeah, well, and I would, I'm not sure it is the same story. I mean, the, I mean, the results, when you don't win the Stanley Cup and when you're a team like Carolina, you know, I had this conversation with Tom Dundon um, the night of uh, Cam Ward's Hall of Fame induction and leading up to the, um, to the uh, stadium series game. Carolina, you know, there are, you know, this is a team that went 10 years without making the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, if you, ha if, it's hard to imagine if you go back into the middle of that drought and you said, you know what, this pretty soon this is a team that's going to make the playoffs for five straight years and you're going to go to two conference finals. You would have been over the moon. But, and then Tom Dundon's point is an accurate one. And I think it's, I think it's real. It doesn't make it any easier, but the expectations are so high now that even though you are one of the final four teams playing in the pursuit of the Stanley Cup, at the end of it, it's considered a failure on some levels. And I think, A, it's fair because this is a good team and you should aspire to, to winning the Cup. That's, that's ultimately, you know, every year this Canes team for the last two or three years, three or four years, has had a legitimate claim to the Stanley Cup and they haven't won it. So, yeah, but every year to me, it's a different thing. Um, I understand the frustration, you know, two years in a row where you, you don't have enough finishers. Um, you know, you let a series against the Rangers get away from you. You were up to nothing and you lose in game seven at home. Um, I think frankly, your best players in that series, um, just, they could not elevate their game. Um, this year and you lose Seth Jarvis at a critical time in that, you know, the Jacob Truba hit, but you know, this year, the injuries, you know, the patch thing is. Yes, maybe you could see it coming. It's, my God, horrific luck, right? Just what happened to him. To me, the Svechnikov thing happening right after the trade deadline, you know, really disappointing. Um, you know, Jesse Pujarvi, you know, I think you saw, you know, when the team was healthy, he doesn't really, ha he didn't have a place in that lineup. I, I don't know what you do with him moving forward. Uh, maybe a whole training camp. Maybe he finds his way. I've watched him a lot and talked to a lot of people in Edmonton and I, it's, I think the expectations have to be very, very low for him. I just don't see any other way to put it. So yes. Did you leave some money in the bank at the trade deadline? And did you, were there players that could, you know, would have made a difference in that series against Florida? Well, yeah. Okay. But I will say, and again, I think it's the perspective part. If you look at the teams that, you know, push the chips in and made the bold moves. And so the Rangers, Boston, New Jersey, you know, with all due respect to Timo Meyer, and I know they're looking to extend him, and that wasn't just a straight rental, but, and I know Carolina was in the hunt for Timo Meyer, but, you know, his performance in the playoffs was, I would say, only average. And I don't, he got rocked again by Jacob Truba, the definite theme there. So wasn't the same against Carolina as you would have expected, maybe because of that. But, you know, you just, you know, those teams 
pushed, you know, they spent all this asset capital and had very little, they had less to show for it than Carolina did. So, you know, if you have a Tarasenko in your lineup, do you beat Florida? Maybe. I, I it's it's a bit of a mugs game. I, I do think though it's you know it, it it is a reminder for the management team in Carolina that okay, you know, where did we fall short? And we fell short because um you know, we could not score the critical goal at the critical time, also took critical penalties at critical times. Uh, and you ran into one of the hottest goalies in, in the NHL and a guy who may still win a Smythe trophy. So I don't know. You know, I understand the frustration, but I, I think you have to be careful. And I, you, I think you see teams who try and accelerate the process or try and, you know, out of a sense of frustration, you know, they, they pull, you know, they pull pieces out and you know, slam pieces in to try and find the final picture um, to the puzzle. I think you have to be very careful of walking the line between being too conservative and simply expecting the same group to produce a different result or much the same group, and being you know making change for the sake of change and disrupting what is clearly one of the great team chemistries in the NHL. I think that's fair to say. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Um... I guess where my frustration was this year was they they fixed a problem that was there, which thrilled me with bringing in Pacioretty. And I thought, you know, if you get him for 60 games in the playoffs, we'll be fine. You know, I expected an injury at some point along the line. That's just been his history. Yeah. And I don't blame Svechnikov on, on anybody. That was unfortunate. You couldn't predict that in a million years. Yeah. But Pacioretty went down before the deadline the second time. Yeah. And you have to think okay, that was a problem that you wanted to address in the off season. Why is it all of a sudden now something you feel not a problem? So I thought they should have replaced him at the deadline with somebody. I mean, you're not going to get Kane. Kane only wanted to go somewhere else. But I right. felt like you could have matched, if not exceeded, what they did for Tarasenko. You probably could have matched or exceeded what New Jersey did for Timo Meyer. At least I would have been okay with it. I'm not saying these guys would have fixed it. But at least at this point, in my mind, management would have been absolved because they would have been consistent, like, oh, yes, goal storing problem, Pacioretty, come on in at the deadline. Oh, you know what? We're fine. Yeah. I will say, and what's interesting about that is, and I mean, you you know, there are 10 other teams trying to address the same kind of problem you are at the deadline. So I I get it. But, you know, I look at, um, you know, I'm Barbashev in, uh, in Vegas. You know, a really, you know, sort of under the radar player who, you know, moved from St. Louis was part of that cup winning team in 19. Um, to me, he's one of those pieces that, you know, they, they, and I think they tried to do the similar thing a year ago with Max Domi and Max Domi, another guy who, you know, made a, a really positive impact with Dallas playing in a much more prominent role than he did in Carolina um, was really good there. Dodonov also in Dallas. Um, help to pl- provide supplemental scoring. Uh, Barbashev for me is one of the key guys that when you look back and you think, you know, if you had a player like that in your lineup that can help out on the power play, um, that can, you know, add your add depth scoring, yeah, you know, it's again, you, you want, you know, you, you want a finisher, you want somebody who can score a goal at a critical time. Um, I would argue that, you know, do, did you have enough of that in your lineup to begin with? Certainly management believe they did. Um, I was a bit surprised that, you know, how, how they could not buy a goal in that series against Florida. And that that's, it's frustrating. 
Um, and that's, you know, you've got talented players and, and they could not find the back of the net. And that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's hard. It's hard. It's why you hear Martin Netchass's name. You know, what do you do with him after a breakout year? Um, you know, Seth Jarvis, again, is a, he's a critical part. He's a, he's a kid, very much a kid still. Um, you know, Cable Teravine and had very difficult season, very difficult for him on a number of fronts. Um, you know, there, 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 I think there was enough there, you know, the offense from the back end sort of dried up, which had been their bread and butter uh, for the regular season and then through the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I sense that. And I guess that's the question, you know, what do you, you know, if, if the next question is, well, what do you, do you go to free agency? Or what do you, you know, you, what do you spend? I think Carolina's history has shown, and I believe it's more prudent. If you can make a hockey deal, you know, you, like you bring in Brent Burns, um, you know, the, the Max Pacioretty thing, even though it didn't turn out, you know, you're not, you're not going to the marketplace where you inevitably overpay for a, a, a prime piece, but there are teams that need to move players on expiring contracts or we're going to be restricted free agency. And we saw that with San Jose and Timo Meyer. And um, I think that's where you will see the hurricanes maybe, you know, you know, poke their toe around. What does a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi, is he, you know, is he somebody you, you know, that you is fascinating on the free agent market? Yes, maybe. Um, but I, I do know that Carolina loves certainty. They love to bring in a younger player with term. Um, if it's a free agent, I think you've seen more the kinds of moves like you saw with Paul Stastny, you know, a very like a, you know, filling in around the edges without, you know, um, exposing yourself in dollar and term. So, um, I'm curious to see how the Hurricanes approach the season. Of course, they've got some big contracts to to deal with at, you know, starting in 24-25 with um, Aho and uh, and and um, Slavin and uh, we got one. Yeah, Sl no, Slavin's uh, uh, he's got one more year after this, so he he will be um, eligible to be ex extended next summer. So, I mean, you, and you've got money that you know you're going to have to spend. So. It, 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 you know, it's a challenge. That's, I mean, it's, it is fascinating to see. I mean, what do you think? Is, is free agency the answer or what kind of, what kind of holes, what kind of ads would you like to, you know, if you had that shopping list, what's on your shopping list? Most from, for me personally, most of the players that I've kind of looked at are players that I feel are going to be moved as it in a trade. So I kind of look on the Hurricanes roster of players that I'd be willing to move would be Natchez, um, Pesci, and Tara Vinen mm -hmm. to, to increase because I feel Carolina struck gold with Chatfield. So, yep. you know, worst case scenario, you move a Pesci or a Shea, Chatfield slots next to one of those two, and then yep. you just fill in your bottom pair, which isn't, you know, there's an abundance of those kind of players that you can fill in around. You might even go with Lejoie and you're only filling in one. So, Carolina's in an abundance of defensemen, I think, a position they haven't been in a while. I think it's also a position they could fill in trade. Uh, Philadelphia's poking around trying to move D'Angelo. Well, you're going to be able to get him cheaper than what you sent him out for because he didn't do so good in Philly. So I think that's a player who worked really well here that you could bring back and would probably, again, be successful in an area where he can be, where he can start to exploit other teams given his offensive prowess. Yeah. But I'm looking at moving those bigger pieces for obviously other bigger pieces. So Because if you're moving a big name, a big name has to come back. Um, so I see Lindholm, I see Pierre-Luc Dubois, I see, um, I think Toronto might make a move. I really don't know who they would move, but I could see them 
maybe doing that to at the very least levy up cap space. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of money tied up in four players that, in my mind, isn't smart. <laughs> but um, but I get, but I still, I mean, I get that. Um, they're also really great hockey players. Um, I think Washington's going to look to move some players. I wouldn't be surprised if Wilson and Kuznetsov are on the move. They're trying to rebuild or re. I think they're trying to do more of a retool, but I don't think either of those players have an appetite for it. Um, yeah. But I think uh, Winnipeg is a team that you can look at. Calgary, Toronto, yeah. Washington. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, to me, one of the interesting parts of of, of all of these things, and Rod Brindamore addressed this, and I think it's, and it goes back to what I, one of my earlier rambles, but to me, you have to be so careful about what you are, you know, to, to make the, you know, you're, if you are, you're talking about making a change in the top six or certainly in the top nine, maybe you make a change in the top four on the back end. I'm with you on Chatfield. I mean, what a, I mean, you know, the, the hockey hops department deserves all kinds of kudos for, for that. What a tremendous player. What a, you know, what a great fit for him, but not everyone is a fit, you know, it doesn't always work. And I, and Rod Brindamore talks about this all the time. And it's, you know, it's, it's why Jeff in very, you know, in the first days of Rod Brindamore's tenure, you know, the move was to, to move Jeff Skinner out of Carolina. And this is not a slight on Jeff Skinner who has yet to ever play a playoff game, but what do you want to accomplish and how do you accomplish it? You accomplish it by following a plan and having a dynamic and an identity overused term but Carolina epitomizes that and you know let's take Pierre-Luc Dubois you know I've spoken to him very well spoken very thoughtful really good player but you think about his history and uh, you know it ended ugly in Columbus and it's ending pretty ugly in Winnipeg if he is indeed going to move on and he made it pretty clear early on there he didn't didn't expect to sign a long-term deal um you know, you do have to ask yourself now, you know, listen, lots of questions asked about Tony D'Angelo and I, and I was around quite a bit. And I think he, my feeling was he was a pretty good citizen in that locker room and certainly the productivity on the ice spoke for itself. So, you know, if you can't play for Rod Brindamore, you can't play for anyone, but I think you also have to be aware of red flags. And I think it's fair to say is what, what kind of player is Pierre-Luc Dubois and does he fit what you're trying to do in Carolina? And if he, if he comes in and, and is a disruptive force or cannot toe the line and be the player that everyone else is playing, pulling on that same rope, and I'm not saying he wouldn't, but you have to ask yourself a real hard question about bringing in a player like that into your room. And does, do you get set back even though on paper you have added a, a high-end, you know, big, strong, skilled center? I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, if I were to were to put a top two, it'd be probably Lindholm at number one. I'd love yeah. to see him come back. Yeah. I think he would be great because you can either slot him as your first line center and maybe move Ajo to the wing, or you can move him as your second line center. And either way, you're going to have great wingers next to him with, you know, Jarvis and Svetch. And if you keep Tavo, if he's the one in the piece that moves, you've got Natchez. You have options, I believe, if you bring in a Lindholm to slot him on that number two center slot. And then I think Alex DeBrincat from Ottawa is a good target as well. Um, I think both of these guys fill a need for Carolina. But I think Carolina makes a move this offseason. If you were to peg a player that Carolina deals, who do you think, when you know, when you talk about probability, 
who's the most who what player do you think is the most probable will not be in a hurricane sweater that is currently under contract next season yeah i think i think you want to be careful with net jeffs and again i remember having this conversation with him in training camp last year and you know there was a lot of discussion a year about ago about whether you know do you do you extend him do you trade him Teams were certainly interested in him, and why wouldn't they be? He's a high pick with, you know, skates well. He's big. He, he's a he's a complete package, really. Um, but was coming off a very very difficult year, so, you know, he had a breakout year. I think I, I felt that he tried to do too much after uh, Svechnikov went down. I think that is a function of maturity. Um, I understand the the dynamic, right? I mean, you know, you need to score goals. You know, without Svechnikov you know, Netchas has to up his game. And I felt he tried to do too much at times. And um, I still think for, you know, for a player who is um, still really young, um, that you you have to be careful about that. And I think you mentioned, um, you know, for me, you have an abundance of talent on the back end. You know, a guy like Brady Shea, for an incredible offensive year, um, if I understand from cap friendly, he can submit a 10 team, no trade list. He's got one more year left on his deal. You know, Brett Pesci has no trade protection. Both those guys had a pretty good number. Shea is at 5.2 million, 5.25 million. And, uh, Brett Pesci is at, uh, 4 million and a bit. Um, you have the depth to backfill teams always want defensive help. Uh, you know, Pesci's right. You know, so there there will be a market for those players um, if you were, you know, if you were going to move on. And again, you have to look to the future, right? I mean, so what if you keep both those players or one of the two, what's the what's because both those players are going to make more money than they're making now. I think that's fair to say they, they're terrific players, right? They're top four defensemen on one of the best teams in the NHL. So they're going to get paid. So if you can't pay them long-term, then you do have to look at leveraging their asset value. So those are the two guys I would think. Um, and, you know, I feel wholly fascinated by the whole goaltending thing because, you know, part of what you're talking about here is you're moving the the deck chairs around. And, you know, Freddie Anderson, you know, to me was an interesting test case because, yeah, the injuries have been maddening. He played his first playoff game, what, three years this year? And he wasn't ready to play at the start. And yet when he came in, he was, I think it's fair to say, instrumental in helping this team move to a conference final. And when you got swept by Florida, it was not the issue of the goaltending. It just wasn't, right? You didn't score enough goals. Freddie Anderson did his part. Is it enough to say all right, let's take another run at this. And maybe it's a two or three year deal or whatever, but what's the value? Auntie Ranta has been nothing but, you know, done nothing but yeoman work. Um, he's going to come in at a much lower dollar figure. And if you believe in uh, Kochetkov as the real heir apparent, then what is your plan then to have Kochetkov play 40 games or, you know, between 30 and 40 or be, you know, whatever that number is. I, I have to tell you, I need to see more from him yeah. before you can say, I-, I think we can win a cup with him. And he's a, he's a kid. He's never had this experience before. But to me, it, 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 you have to have the right tandem to, to, give you, to give yourself the kind of cushion that the Canes have shown they need, have needed going back to even um, 
Colonel McElhaney and uh, um, Morazic, right? So those are, you know, and Canes have done a nice job of filling in a goaltending situation without having, you know, the elite high-priced goaltender. So I'm fascinated. So I'm curious. What do you think? What's your what's your goaltending plan? Because you, you know, you if you move on from one of those two defensemen, you have a little bit more cap space, and and but you do need to. You got no goalies. You have no NHL goalies right now. You have Kochekov, who you believe in, maybe. But you don't. <laughs> yeah. you, you, your goaltending is in a state of flux right now. So I think I saw it was David Pagoda who said that we engaged Freddie in contract talks. So that was interesting because I, I feel the two he's least likely. He was he was the least likely to come back. Because my feeling was with the team that their plan was to go with Kochetkov at least at the very least as a one B. Yeah, I feel I would be more comfortable having a starting goaltender, which ironically I, I'm okay with if if that's on Ranta. He's been very good. He, he's probably been your better of the two. He was the better of the two this year in the regular season. Better of yep. the three this regular season. So I'd be fine with bringing Ronta back if that's something that could be managed. But if I'm looking at like my ideal goalie that might hit the market, Semyon Varlamov. Yeah. I think he's uh he's been a backup a lot, not in New York, but he's also been he plays, he still plays a decent amount, and he's been very, very good. So I think bringing in Varlamov to kind of be that guy isn't a bad move i think you can explore the trade market i think carter hart if you want to have two young goalies that's a good deal i think you'd have to pay a lot probably more than they're willing to so i feel like that's probably not reality connor hellebuck i think is a good option i mean the goalie market's surprisingly available via trade this year and free agency i mean if you want to go blast from the past you can look at alex adelkovich i think he would play well in this system he did before you know, I think that's not bad. You could probably give him a shot if you like, you know, if you, again, if you're looking at analytics again, which Tulski does, Nadelkovich isn't awful. He was playing on a really bad Detroit team for a while and he lost his confidence, but then you get to play here in front of, well, Jacob Slavin. <laughs> so his workload isn't going to be as bad as it was in Detroit. So I think Carolina is in a better, is in a decent spot this year with options so they don't have to go with freddie and ranta and kochetkov they can choose one or both or none and then they but they need someone they need a 1a i think at the very least to go with kochetkov yeah you know the goaltending is to me is so fascinating because you know i mean you i think if you you know three or four years you go or you go back in the past and you, you do you need do you need an elite homegrown goalie do you need a Vasilevsky do you need a Shesterkin do you need a you know um Sorokin in with the Islanders you know what I mean some those goalies we were talking about most of them were done in the first round so and I look at it you know I every night I watch Aiden Hill doing what he's doing in Vegas and there's a guy who's going to be a UFA I mean what's the value for for Aiden Hill and you know to me is he you know is there a little bit of you know, is he Tim Thomas or is he Jordan Bennington? And, you know, Bennington obviously won a cup in St. Louis in 19, came out of nowhere, way down the depth chart for the Blues. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you're the Blues and you knew what you knew, would you would you have signed him to the long-term deal uh, a year ago or so? I don't know if you would because, he had, you know, the team has been in decline. And and I think it's fair to say the both his play and his personality – you know, have been uneven. And I, you know, 
maybe he gets it back again. He won a cup. Can't take that away. But to me, that's like, okay, I, I, what do you do with that? You know, with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Jack Campbell is the guy, right? Sign him, you know, take him from Toronto. Well, they take him. They signed him. Big money. Um, he, they, at the, you know, they could not use him. They had so little confidence that even though it looked like Stuart Skinner, great rookie season, it did look like he'd hit a wall. Oilers would not go to Jack Campbell. So, you know, you think you know what you're going to get, but you don't. You know, Freddie Anderson's, to me, it's a, still an unknown, a bit of an unknown, because can you, you know, what, his durability is a real issue. I do think he showed in the playoffs this year, if you need consistent playoff goaltending, he can provide that. Is he going to be healthy enough to do it for you? Well, that's unknown, and that's part of the equation. So, you know, like you talk about, I, I agree with, all, like, all those goaltending options are interesting. Carter Hart, you know, fascinating talent, but probably going to be really expensive. Um, when you, To me, it's also about where the Canes are at. Kochekov's going to have a role. He's going to get a chance to prove himself or not prove himself. But to me, the other part of it is so critical. And, again, you want to be careful. Are you moving on just to move on? where you could have Auntie Ranta at a pretty manageable price, I'm guessing. Maybe Freddie Anderson is less expensive than you think because he wants to be there. And this is a chance for him to reprove himself and to win a Stanley Cup. You know, players players want what the management team wants, right? They they want to win a cup. And, and people want to play for Rod Brindamore, and they know the chance is there in Carolina. So it's no, it's no longer an issue of can you attract – free agents it's you need to be right about which free agents you're going to bring in and you know that's a whole dynamic shift over the last five years yeah i mean i don't disagree and my time is running out as you can see (laughs) in the quarter (laughs) but my last question to you is going to be about a specific player and uh tara vinan who had an abysmal season i've started to get a feeling that he doesn't really want to be here I don't know if that's a combination of just how his personality is. I could be reading into something wrong. But I feel of all of our players whose contracts are coming up in the next year to two, he is the one that will not be back for one reason or the other. Do you think it's more or less likely they choose to move on this offseason? Yeah, it, you know, Terrifying's an interesting guy because, you know, he won a cup. He's had great experience. He's He's a deceivingly his game is so subtle and he is when he's healthy and playing his best hockey. And we've seen that quite a bit in Carolina. He's a terrific two-way player. He can do all kinds of different things. You know, we didn't see a lot of that this year. And and part of it was certainly a big part of the injuries and the slash against the Islanders really sucked. Um, But definitely his role changed, right? But, you know, didn't get, you know, his, his role did change and it was a, a lesser role and he may have struggled to accept that. So the issue is, you know, he's got one we are left on his deal. He's got a modified tr- no trade. Um, I think you have to have a real heart to heart with him. And I think you have to ask yourself as a coaching staff and a management team, can we see, just as you saw with Netchass last year, can you see a legitimate bounce back? And let's be honest, his value at this stage is going to be pretty low. So if you're thinking of trying to turn it for, you know, prime assets, that's not likely to happen. If you're going to move him 
to move on and to fill with free agency or another trade or whatever it is, then, okay, go ahead and do that. You know, but if this isn't, you can't look at trading table Terrabine and right now and expect to get a huge return given the season he just had. So you have to come to that realization. Are we making a space because we feel we're better if Tyler Bertuzzi or someone else comes in and plays in that spot? Or are we better to keep table Terrabine and because we know what he can accomplish. We know, you know, the Finnish brotherhood and how important that is. And then let him play out that final year of his deal and, you know, see what happens. So I think those are the questions that, you know, again, I think it's easy to highlight him given that how difficult the season was. Um, but it also, the reality is, you know, if you're trying to move him for assets, that his value is probably lower than it's been since he came to Carolina. I think that's fair. I think that's pretty fair. I was just curious on your thoughts there. Uh, well, sir, as always, we appreciate you coming on to chat with us. Um, always full of really good insight. And uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and uh, what you're doing now? Well, you can find a newsletter, Burnside on Hockey. Um, uh, I appear, you know, still appear on some Canes podcasts and uh uh, doing some stuff for the Minnesota Wild. I'll be at the draft in Nashville, and uh, yeah, we'll see what see what's down the road. But uh, it's always fun to to chat Hurricanes, and um, it's going to be a fascinating off season, obviously. And call anytime. All right, thanks for coming on. You have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right. Well, what a great uh, interview. Yeah, had was, with him, it was great. It was. I always enjoy talking with him. Just his knowledge of the game, his knowledge of the National Hockey League and uh, his insight is always very um, well, well founded. And that's, what's always a pleasure to chat with him. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I mean, we know the trade market's heating up. I mean, Sam, we can I mean, we'll go ahead and say, say this, uh, Damon Severson got traded to yep. Columbus and got a huge extension, eight years, six something million dollars. I don't have it right in front of me, in front of me. But it's around there. Yeah. And I think that type of uh, deal kind of think about Brett Pesci a little bit. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also think what you need to look at, too, with I think Columbus is going to be a team to be reckoned with next season. They're not going to be an easy easy out by any stretch of the imagination. They're not going to be an easy out. So I like to see small market teams with devoted fan bases do well and uh, I think Columbus is going to be interesting next year. Some people might think that's a bit of a stretch, but I think a team with Patrick Laine, Johnny Hockey, uh, the third overall pick in the very, very deep draft, I've heard that people believe that those top three are going to play in the National Hockey League this year, would not surprise me, especially on a team like Columbus, who who has a lot of young players, so they might let him play in the National Hockey League too, especially if he plays really well. So Columbus making a lot of moves early, staying busy, trying to get better and surround their piece, their players with um with good pieces. Yes, it's it's basically I think a good team is a mix of veterans with your young guys, and they they have plenty of young guys. Kent Johnson, yeah. um, I mean the third overall pick that they um will select to this upcoming draft. Maybe he gets a shot. Yeah. So and they have I their veterans. I think it might be Leo Carlson, but Longe he's still considered to be pretty young. And you have mm. veterans in Boone Jenner, Johnny Gaudreau. On the back end, you have Proveroff and um, 
Gabranson could be one. Yeah. He's with them. So this team has got a good mix. They're going to have a head coach and Mike Babcock, who will be interesting. I like him. I know a lot of people don't, but, I mean, honestly, I like Babcock. I like John Tortorella. And I think with a young team with some veterans, I think you're going to get with Babcock the experience you need in order to push them over the hump. I think what he did in Toronto, I don't like Toronto, so I'm not really, you know, you know, whatever. I don't care. Trust me, I don't like Toronto either. Um, And honestly, when you have players, I think with this big, you know, look, I like Mitch Marner, like Matthews, like Nylander and Tavares, but when you're with players that have such big heads, sometimes, you know, when you're the core four, and again, you've heard this, Elliot talked about it, you know, all my, all the emphasis was on there. The other players on the team felt like they didn't matter, which I get it. So I think there's... Uh, I like the mentality that they're probably going to try and adopt. It's not the big four, it's the team. Yes, and I think that's what you need. And I feel like that's probably what Babcock was trying to do in Toronto, and it just, that at the time, that was not the mentality in Toronto. So I think you're going to have someone. I think that's what you get with Babcock and Torch is they care about the team. So Columbus is going to be interesting. And the reason why we talk so much, send, spend time talking about Columbus is they're a metropolitan division team. So yes, they are. Be, and we will know, have an episode and we will have an episode when the new season starts on how the Metro teams got better because Carolina's in that division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be huge. But it's early offseason. The only team that's gotten better so far in the Metro is Columbus. Everyone's kind of stayed the same. Carolina's had con- has had trade contract talks. You heard me talk about Burnside. You've had a talk. You know, you heard me talk about that just now with Anderson, Ronta. Um, so they're they're trying to bring some people back. They're chatting. So we have the draft in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, uh, we will see you guys for the next episode. We'll continue with the end-of-season grades, part two. And we will see you guys then. Thanks for listening to the Kaniac Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Can't get enough of the Kaniac Report? For more content or to connect with the Sams, Check them out on Instagram and Twitter at The Kaniac Report. We'll see you next time.